Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Being inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I love being here every week with all of you, and uh, our audience continues to grow. So I encourage you to reach out and, and share with me your feedback on the show and, and any suggestions that you might have. Um, I'm so excited about my guest tonight. Her name is Meryl Codby. And Mural is the founder of Illuminate, which is a company that combines technology and the arts. And she's going to be with me in just a moment. If you're familiar with um, America's Got Talent, you will uh, be excited to hear that she's the brainchild behind one of the uh, most infamous performances on that show. So uh, she's going to be with me in just a moment. Be sure, as always, to stay with us as we go into the breaks, where you'll hear from our watch team of contributors, bringing you up-to-date information and inspiration from their own fields in health, education, finance, technology, leadership, and diversity. And be sure um, to check out our website for all things related to the show. You can find our lineup at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And uh, please be sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So now, Mural, I'd love to welcome you to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you today. Well, I'm I'm so excited to have you. Um, your your story is so impressive on many levels, and uh, I'm equally curious about technology and the arts. And you found a way to combine both, which I think is is unique. So um, I want to start with your backstory and share with the listeners a little bit about the young Mural, um, born in Egypt. Tell me, um, I know you were young when your parents brought you here to the U.S. Um, do you have any memories of, of uh, Egypt while you were there? I, well, I, I was quite young when we came. I was only two, so I don't have memories of living there, but I do have a lot of memories of going back every summer growing up. Okay. Um, and I still go there quite a bit. Is there anything, is there anything from, from, I'll say home, um, that has inspired the work that you do? Oh, the dancing, the heart mm-hmm. of dance. Right. You know, in the culture of Egypt, dance is a way to spread 
joy, emotion. It's very, uh, it's very much a part of the mainstream culture. Um, and so that was definitely something I bring back with me all the time. Yeah. And your parents moved uh, to Texas <laughs> when you were two, I, I'm, you know, Egypt to Texas. What brought them there? Yeah, of course, naturally, Texas. Um, well, actually, when my aunt was already living in Texas, her husband was an engineer working um, with a company, so they wanted to be near people they knew, so that was a natural fit, so they went to Texas. Okay. And um, from what I read, your your father was a dancer, and your mother was an accountant, so that explains kind of the right brain, left brain part of you. <laughs> You, yeah, you got it. My father was a dancer in Egypt, and my mom uh, has a degree in um, finance and treasury. So between the two of them, I, I was able to do uh, both the software development side and the dancing side. Okay. Tell me what, um, you know, their parenting style, how that impacted um, you as, as a leader today in this technology field. Well, you know, they are incredible parents, so supportive since day one. Um, even the decision to go to America from Egypt was not one that they made lightly. Um, they loved Egypt. They still do. But they also realized that with two daughters, uh, they wanted to have uh, the ability to give us the best opportunities that we could get. So for them, they felt that, you know, America would really be a great place for us to grow up and to follow our dreams essentially and so we were both very lucky um they always made sure that i put education first so mm -hmm. even when i wanted to be a professional dancer uh, we had a deal you know if you want to be a professional dancer that's awesome but you're gonna have to go to college and so i made um i made it to columbia university mm -hmm. and got my computer science degree there while dancing in new york so i'm i'm and looking back i'm so happy that my parents were very adamant about me going to college because i wouldn't be where i am today if it wasn't for them um and then also they own a restaurant and it's quite successful so once my sister and i were off to college they decided to pursue their own dreams and open a restaurant using my dad's skills as a people person manager and my mom's skills as a chef doing she's been cooking for us since we were little and has that that touch that really great cooking um that subtleness to her cooking that made it so great to have her have have recipes that are enjoyed by people daily so we saw them live out their own dreams and I think that helped inspire me to be able to not be afraid to pursue this technology when I had the idea. Mm, yes, that, you know, watching parents um, as entrepreneurs, I think, always has a very strong impact on children. And, you know, you yes. learn firsthand what it takes to really build and run something on your own. Definitely. So, you know, you're, you, well, first of all, I, I love that you wanted to move to New York to dance, and, and you shared that with your parents, and they said, okay, if you have to get into Columbia first. And, um, you know, you worked very hard um, to help pay for that. Uh, I have a quote here. You said, I stayed in the dorms, ate ramen noodles, and paid off my college loans in a year. That's impressive. <laughs> that was my only goal, that pay off the loans. Right. Yeah, that's not easy. That's not easy. Um, tell me what the hardest part, when you look back at that time, what, what was the most challenging 
um, you know, managing the, the classes and the, the workload and, and working as well? I, I, when I was going to school, it was quite um, stressful, but in a good way. Um, I had to do work study program and later got a couple another job in order to help pay for the bills because the loans uh, did not cover everything. And then I also was dancing every night in New York City, which was the whole reason of going to Columbia was so that I could also dance um, when I wasn't in class. So I lived a life of, you know, very much a worker dancer. I didn't really go out. I don't think I went to maybe one party in my whole four years at college. Um, I was very focused on two things, getting a, well, three things, getting a good education, dancing in New York City, and financially being able to pay for everything and not be in debt. Wow. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, At the age of nine, you already kind of solidified your love of coding and dance. And I want you to talk about that when we come back from the break. Stay with us. You're going to hear from Dawn Zier of Nutrisystem and international speaker Holly Dowling. Now, the women to watch. CEO Watch. Hi, I'm Don Zier, here with today's CEO Watch. I often think back on how my parents were my first and best mentors and how embracing my parents' advice is truly the foundation of my success. Growing up, I was repeatedly told, be the best you can be. Leadership, it's not necessarily innate. It's largely based on model behaviors, and I've always strived to live up to the simple yet profound wisdom my parents imparted. And there's no greater responsibility in my mind than trying to do the same for my own children and to carry these principles into the workplace. There's a tendency to think that we only need mentors when we're young or just starting out in a career, and that as we get older, a switch, it magically flips, and now we're supposed to be the ones doing the mentoring. But the truth is, we never outgrow the need for mentors. After all, change is constant, and you'll likely find yourself in an ever-increasing range of situations warranting fresh perspectives and sounding boards. As a CEO, I found it more important than ever to have trusted advisors, confidants, to bounce ideas off of in concert with input from my executive team and board. I have found the secret to these relationships is that they must be found and not assigned. Candidly, I'm not a fan of formal mentoring programs because I generally find those relationships to be forced and the mentee to often be wary and untrusting. For both professional and personal growth, there has to be a willingness to let your guard down, listen, and be open to feedback and that can only come from a place of trust. Call them what you want, mentors, coaches, trusted advisors, it doesn't really matter. What matters most is that you have these people in your camp with a reasonable degree of consistency. Seasons will change, and you will find that some serve a unique purpose for a fixed period of time, while others may be with you for your entire journey. When you have this, returning the favor and paying it forward is a natural extension. And you'll soon learn, as I have, that often you get more than you give, when you take a genuine interest in helping others advance their careers. Thanks, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier for CEO Watch. I'll be back next Sunday to talk about the female thing. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Hi, everybody. Holly Dowling here with your Leadership Watch for the week. And today it is time to declutter. How many of you think about the spring is around the corner and we think about spring cleaning, right? How many of you think about decluttering and having your own personal spring cleaning? So what does that look like for you? I want to challenge you and ask you to think about having a declutter in four aspects of your life. Mental decluttering, physical, emotional and most of all, your spiritual life. So when you think about this, the most important thing you can do for yourself is take a few minutes to be alone and in silence. And I'd like you to get out a journal or a piece of paper, because this is where the golden magic will happen, is I'd like you to write down each of these words, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And then for the next seven days, I would ask each and every one of you, do this for yourself. I'll never know if you do it, but what I do know is something very magical will happen. I'd like you to ask yourself, what mental clutter is blocking you from achieving your potential? What can you do to be more mindful of your mental clutter? What about your emotional clutter? Do you need to face straight on in your life? What are you avoiding? What about your physical clutter? What's going on in your environment, in your office, in your home? The physical way that your life is, what do you need to declutter? And very important is your spiritual life. How is your spiritual life? Is it clean? Are you focused? Do you have have a higher sense of power? I don't know what that is for you, but your spiritual self is needing to come alive. And all of this, when you take the time for these four elements of decluttering, you will find that this has a dramatic impact on both your personal and professional clutter in your life. So let's just end on that. What professional clutter are you harboring? Are you going into your meetings with a clear outcome? And what do you bring to your meetings? Please reach out to me, hollydowling.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Meryl Codby, the founder of Illuminate, um, a company that combines both technology and the arts. And we were talking about your upbringing and your kind of... um, introduction into technology and dance and at the age of nine you had already solidified your love of both tell me i understand the dance tell me where were you first introduced to coding um and and was there somebody that inspired you a teacher perhaps so i got introduced to coding in a fun way too basically i uh Remember, it was in the 80s. I'm dating myself right now. But I was. <laughs> You're younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> it was right in when desktops were becoming something that you could have in a household, but they were huge back then. Right. And I came home, and for some reason, I got so curious about it to the point where my parents were coming to me to learn how to use it because I was like just fascinated by the machine. Mm. And so they found that this was this. this was not going away my intrigue my intrigue so they found a course at the local school where I could learn something called basic which is really 
basic, actually, software programming language. Um, and so I took the class. I learned how to write little simple games. Um, I, I started writing my own games, um, and I, I, just, I loved it. So I just kept my, making silly games for people to play, and I loved watching people play them. And there was a sense of pride that I would, that you know, they would enjoy themselves, and it was kind of addictive. So I would, it was like a, you know, as a dancer, you put on shows, and I, and, and in my mind, I was putting, I was putting on shows of of games that I can create and you know, what do you want to play? What do you want to do? And I would just find out a way to make it happen. So wow. um, it was just really fun. It was um, very social though. It's considered not social the right. way I looked at it was very social. Right. Uh, and, and then I continued in high school was the next time I actually took another course. And in this course it was uh, Pascal that we were learning, which is a another programming language. And I continued it too well, and I never really thought to major in computer science until this course, and a teacher inspired me quite a bit, and she really pushed me to pursue it. Um, she noticed that I was doing quite well and that I was interested and, and, and attentive in the class and asked if I'd ever thought, thought to pursue computer science, and at the time, I didn't think about it, but it was similar to the time I started applying for colleges and realized, wow, I, you know... I could get into this. I could actually get a degree in computer science. That would be really enjoyable, really fun. So I went for it. That's awesome. And, you know, we talk all of the time about trying to encourage more young girls to, to go into the STEM field. Were you one of few girls in your high school that was showing this curiosity and interest? I was definitely one of the few girls. I think there were two or three girls in the class total. Mm -hmm. um, did that bother you or did that bother you or did you did you kind of like it, you know, like being one of few? To be honest, either I liked it or I didn't really think about it. Mm. It just wasn't. I mean, even it comes it stems from being um, different my whole life. Uh, I was, you know, I'm Egyptian, so I'm dark skinned. Um, and I had glasses on and pa a patch on my, one of my eyes because I had I was born cross-eyed, so I had to have surgeries for that. And I was just a little bit different, you know. I had slight ADHD, so I was never like fully accepted by people, and I was always on my own in my own world, oftentimes. Hmm. So it didn't. At, at some point, you build such a strong skin at a young age that. I didn't really even look at people around me because I was definitely a uh, kind of a rock in my own world. Like I like computers. I write computer software. I, I like to dance. I dance. I never really thought about the social aspect of it because I had long ago given up on trying to be socially acceptable. Mm. And so it just didn't faze me. Yeah. But it didn't seem to hold you back at all. So while you had those, you know, when you're young and you feel that you're an outsider, Often that can kind of derail our dreams, but that didn't, that wasn't the case with you. It wasn't because of how supportive my family was and how much I loved writing software and dancing. Um, it was my escape. Both of those were my escape from the reality. And so what's great about writing software is you don't, you know, it's social in the sense that I would do something and someone else would play with my creation, mm -hmm. but I didn't have to create it with other people I could create it on my own and so I didn't have this um I didn't allow my 
lack of acceptance, people making fun of me, the bullying type of uh, atmosphere that I grew up in stopped me from living my dreams. I think it caused the opposite to happen, which was to completely focus on my dreams. I was like, I'm getting out of Houston, Texas. I'm going to go to New York City. I'm going to dance on stage. I'm, you know, I was like, I knew that if I just focused on what I loved, I would get to where I wanted to get. And if I focused on the negative and how people hurt me all the time and that whole not being cool in school, I would just crumble. And I, I was very sad as a young girl. Um, and I and I think I learned defense mechanisms from a young age so that I could handle different environments and social environments and emotional environments. So I, I wouldn't allow it to get me down. I just I just kind of focused on what I wanted to do, dance, technology, New York City. I, I love that. What what a great um, example. Um, one of your quotes is, find a way to love what you do in everyday life, follow your dreams, and never get intimidated by life. And now I understand really where that quote came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to take another break. Uh, Mirao, when we come back, I want to talk about your first job out of uh, Columbia at Bloomberg. Stay with us Perfect. for our Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie and Fortis Wealth for our Finance Watch. Now, the women to watch. Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good evening, divas. It's March, which is one of my favorite months. It marks the beginning of spring. I'm Irish, and St. Patrick's Day is a big family day. We walk in the parade, and we're members of friendly sons and daughters of St. Patrick. But remember, I'm a GI doctor, and March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Each year, I organize the Blue Lights Campaign. Every skyscraper, two Liberty Place, one Liberty Place, BNY Mellon, the whole Parkway, Ben Franklin Bridge, even our state capitol are dressed in blue to remind people to get screened for this preventable and common disease. This year, we added PSFS, a historic Philadelphia landmark. So, I've written a quiz for this week and next. Answer fact or fiction to each question. Number one, colon cancer is a man's disease. Fiction. It's equal in men and women. We should all be screened. Number two, it's not in your family, so you don't have to worry. Fiction. Over 80% of cases have no family history. We are all at risk. And there's a big rise at age 50. That's why we all should begin screening at age 50. Number three, only a family history of colon cancer increases your risk of colon cancer. Fiction, family history of colon cancer or colon polyps increases your risk. So you may need to start screening at a younger age. Number four, risk may depend on your race. Fact, for instance, African Americans are 20% more likely to develop colon cancer and 40% more likely to die from colon cancer. We are working hard to change the guidelines to start screening African Americans at age 45 rather than waiting till 50. Number five, people under age 50 don't have to worry. Fiction. Recent data shows a rise in colon cancer in young people, including ages 20 to 39. If you have symptoms, see your doctor. Divas, make Dr. Richie proud. Get screened. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. 
Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie Carrado from Fortis Wealth. I'm sitting with Christine Gambeski, a family office advisor here at Fortis. And as we come upon the busy tax season, one item of concern that we have relayed to all of our clients is the continued prevalence of scammers who are impersonating the IRS. It has been known for quite some time that these scammers are mostly using phone calls. However, in 2018 and 19 to date has seen an increase in the amount of fraudulent IRS emails thus far. According to the IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick, tax season can provide opportunities for scam artists to try stealing valuable information through fake emails. Just last year, the IRS noted a 60% increase in bogus email schemes that seek to steal money or tax data. Chris, what do you tell your clients to do if they encounter a suspicious email or phone call from the IRS? There are definitely a few things to share regarding what the IRS will not do. First, they will not demand an immediate tax payment over the phone nor will the agency ever call about taxes owed. The standard method of communication used by the IRS is a letter mailed to the address listed on the tax return. Also, they will not threaten imprisonment or bring in local police or other law enforcement officials to have you arrested for not paying. They will not require you to use a specific payment method for your taxes over the phone, such as a prepaid debit card, gift card, or wire transfer. It is very important to know that the phone call or email is likely a scam, and the best thing to do is nothing. Hang up the phone or forward the suspicious email to your tax preparer and then delete it. I actually received a recently forwarded voicemail from a client who was very concerned about an IRS call that she received. This call threatened jail as a means to frighten her into paying an overdue tax bill. She forwarded the voicemail to me before responding, and I congratulated her on doing exactly the right thing. I assured her that all of her tax payments were current and that there was nothing to worry about. We are so fortunate to have great relationships with our clients. They know that they should and can at any time contact us for any financial question or concern. This is Maggie and Chris, and that's your Finance Watch. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Morale, before uh, the break, I had mentioned your first job with Bloomberg. But for the listeners, just um, so they really understand what it is that you created that kind of, you know, gave you that great exposure. um, Tell us the the name of the group that was on America's Got Talent uh, that first performed and and showed what the technology was. The group was Illuminate, um, lowercase i, capital L, Illuminate. Okay, Um, so the the idea behind the company is. You shine, your best self shines through the light suit. Mm. So it's dancers that are wired and they're performing and, um, you know, it all, it looks, it looks like 
technology, but it's it's real people, you know, performing yes, and dancing. Exactly. Yeah, I re- yeah. I really I remember vividly the fir- first time I saw that I was mesmerized, and now of course it's being you know used and done in in lots of different places. Yes. Yeah. So I I want to go back for a second. You graduated Columbia with a degree in computer science. How did you land that first job at Bloomberg? I was lucky. I got uh, I got the job before I even graduated. They were going to um, different colleges, asking for people to apply. I applied. I went through, I think, two or three interviews, and I got the job. Well, you're being humble, but <laughs> I think that it, it's not that easy to get right out of school and get a job with a company like that. Um, so, you know, they must have liked what they saw in you, and your work spoke for itself. I hope so. I, yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed my time there, and and yes, I was very lucky to get the job because it's a fantastic company. Yeah. Do you recall what the percentage of women to men in your graduating class was? So, in that computer science class, when you know, I wish I knew, but I will definitely say it was low in the like ten, fifteen percent. I want, I, I, I would have to go to Columbia to get the statistics. But yeah, but it was, I was always one of the very few girls. I yeah, could, I can attest to that. And and did that reflect itself in any way? Um, were you just kind of interacting with the male students, uh, you know, the same as you would the w- the women? Or was there any kind of, I hate to say pushback, but, you know, was there an awareness that there were few of you? You know, there was an awareness that there were few of us. And I'm, not, I'm going to be honest. What I did in order to... Um, I guess survive it is I would dumb down the girl, I guess is what I, is the way I started to phrase it. So, you know, I just, when I would go to dance classes or I would perform, I would be more feminine and I would, you know, definitely bring out the girl in me. But when I was in school, I would be in hoodies and baggy jeans and like just, you know, my hair in a, in a bun or, you know, it was short back then. And I, I just focused on the education. I didn't try to look a certain way because I didn't want anybody to think that I made it at Columbia for anything else in my brain. Mm. And so I, so I, I think that helped, unfortunately, but hopefully this will be changing with, um, with the new movements that are happening with STEM. Um, at the time, I noticed that the less feminine I was, the more I was one of the guys the less they cared that I was a girl. And so that's what I did. And it well, didn't affect anything in how I mentally approached school or how it was just a, sil- a, a small thing that seemed to change how they, did, how they treated me. Yeah. Now, did you feel as if you were compromising who you were and how you wanted to uh, present yourself? You know, we talk often about the, the that women shouldn't change themselves to have to fit in with men. Um, but if that if you were comfortable, you know, dressing that way, then you should do it. But did you feel that you were, you know, not necessarily being who you wanted to be? Well, at the time, it didn't bother me because it, it was a lot faster than if I put makeup on. And, and... <laughs> this is true. Yes, yeah. sweats and a ponytail so I, are the best. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. So at the time, it didn't bother me. But I think as I got older, and especially once I Illuminate started, and I I started to really think about who I am and, and, and who I wanted to be as the company grew, I was, you know, 
I realized, wow, I've spent so much time dumbing down the girl that I just stopped trying, you know, to, you know, it just, it, it, it became normal for me to just wear the same thing over and over again. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> holes in my shoes sometimes, you know, that just, I was really not, I, I so much cared about how people perceived me from an intellectual standpoint that I just stopped trying to appear anything else, uh, feminine. And mm. now I, I, you know, now that it's changed in retrospect, I, I do realize I did compromise it. Um, but I've gone the opposite now. And many times when I speak to young girls, I'm like, look, I get manicures, I get pedicures. I have a, a fiance who holds the door open for me if, all the time. He'll, you know, he takes such good care of me and I'm not like a feminist anti-man taking care of you. I'm just be I love being feminine. I love being girly. And mm. yes, I happen to be an awesome software engineer too, but they're not mutually exclusive. There you but go. it took me yeah. a while to figure that out. Yeah. Even when I would be dating and stuff, I would like try to be, you know, a certain way because I wanted my, my, I wanted to be intellectually um, attractive mm. and, uh, you don't have to, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And it took me a while to, to realize that. And I think for some girls that the, the, the reasoning of, oh, I can't be girly and write software stops a lot of young girls from pursuing software development because, you know, there are a lot of social aspects that you need to deal with. That it's hard for young girls. You want to be popular. Yes. Yes. We, I see that over and over again. And, and um, it's a great lesson learned to, to not, you know, no matter your field, you, you have to continually be who you are. And whether that's wanting to dress up and be feminine and pretty or the opposite, whatever is comfortable to you is what, what girls should be doing. Yes, yeah. for sure. Okay, listen, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, let's talk about the company. I want to know where um, and when you had your kind of revelation about starting Illuminate. Um, and I want to talk about the challenge that you faced and one of the reasons you had to stop dancing. Stay with us for the break. We'll hear from Mary Manzo and our Diversity Watch with Hanadi Shahabuddin. We'll be right back. This is the Women to Watch Diversity Watch. Peace be upon you all, this is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. When we hear the word justice, we primarily think of social or judicial justice. There's another insight in the Islamic tradition for an inner sense of justice, an ethic that balances instincts, courage, wisdom, and other principles. The balance by which we use just the right amount of that specific virtue, so that it's not too much and not too little. That balance is established through our inner sense of justice. It regulates people's behaviors and is reflected in their reactions in a specific situation. Justice is needed to establish inner peace and outer peace. When the inner peace is not well balanced, our judgment will be impaired and may be reflected on the outer peace we're responsible for. Listen to this verse in chapter 5 in the Quran being specific about this in talking to believers. Quote, Do not be provoked by your conflicts with some people into committing injustice. You shall be absolutely equitable, for it is more righteous. You shall observe God. God is fully cognizant of everything you do. End quote. The indication at the end reminds people that God is bearing witness to everything we think and do in private and will be holding us accountable for it. So justice in good and bad times. Social justice is very central to Islamic teachings. It's an obligation on Muslims to bear witness to fair dealing among themselves and among others. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, 
or previously known as Chris Jackson, before converting to Islam, was an outstanding basketball player with Denver Nuggets who played nine seasons with the NBA, protested 21 years ago against racism and oppression by not standing for the national anthem before an NBA game. He said, you can't be for God and for injustice. His stand cost him his career and millions of dollars. He was suspended shortly after that, traded later on, and basically marginalized by the industry. Abdurraouf was bearing witness to fair dealing, just like his religion commanded. Today, he's a popular speaker and basketball trainer in high school. Don't forget to connect with me on HanadiSpeaksOut.com. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi. I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. Ada Lovelace, born in 1815, developed an algorithm for a computer that didn't exist, and some would say she was the first computer programmer in theory. Hedy Lamarr, a screen actor from the 1920s, conceptualized the idea of frequency hopping. Her legacy lives on in the world of wireless technologies. Dr. Erna Hoover, born in 1926, invented a telephony switching program. Her 1971 patent for this technology was among one of the first software patents ever issued. These women were visionaries and problem solvers. They changed the direction of technology as we know it today. The UN Women Organization's theme for International Women's Day 2019 is Think Equal, Build Smart, Innovate for Change. The theme's focus is on innovative ways in which we can advance gender equality and the empowerment of women around the world. This theme gets me very excited, especially when I think about women in technology in the United States, where there's still such a large gap. In the mid-80s, women made up 37% of computer science degrees. Today, women only make up about 20 to 25%, and additionally, they make up less than 20% of U.S. tech jobs. So why does this matter? Women are excellent problem solvers, awesome at multitasking and incredible relationship builders. Women trust their intuition and are persuasive. Women seek challenges and are equality-minded. Today, studies show when men and women are working together successfully, the result is a more innovative workplace. For existing and future technologies, bringing the genders together is critical. If you'd like to share your insights on this topic with me, you can reach me at mary at pathwayscg.com. with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Mirau Kadbi, the founder of Illuminate. And we couldn't share your story, uh, Mirau, without really talking about a hardship that you faced uh, that was pivotal in uh, the launch of Illuminate. And that was in 2002 when you were diagnosed with cancer. Yes. So, um... I had, as you know, we went through a whole Robin story, and I had all my college loans paid off. I had a great job at Bloomberg with great insurance, and I wanted to um, pursue dance professionally before, um, because, you know, dancer's life is, you know, there's a ideal time to do the style I was doing, which was contemporary. So the plan was, once the loans were paid off, I would 
quit and dance professionally, or at, or at least try. And I had an internship set up with a, a contemporary dance company, and everything was in place. And I decided, why not go to the doctor and make sure I, everything looks good before I lose this awesome health insurance. So I did that, and the doctor found a mass in my uh, hip, in my right hip. And mm. I got diagnosed with retroperitoneal sarcoma, which is a form of cancer. Uh, so I had two surgeries, one to remove the tumor. And the second one was to do something called interoperative radiation, which is they, they uh, point a beam of radiation in, at, your, um, at the area where the cancer was to try and get rid of any cells that were left. Um, and because I had a high-grade sarcoma, they were being very aggressive. So after that, I also did outpatient radiation. And unfortunately, due to the radiation and surgeries, I, I had uh, incredible damage to my hip area. Literally, all the muscle tissue was burned. And so I couldn't walk for a while. I had like a, a kind of like a, a, a leg that was just a weight. There was, no, there was no muscle movement. So I had to drag my leg around um, and slowly learn how to build back muscle and have other muscles compensate so that I could walk again. And clearly that means, you know, I couldn't dance because with a bad hip, you can't really be a professional dancer. So I had to change my goals in life. What did I want to do? And I stayed at Bloomberg and found out that I really liked software development and got even stronger. I started, I became a senior engineer, um, started to ha be head of my own team and grow within the company. So, you know, sometimes things happen, but there's a reason why things happen if you allow yourself to, to, to be open to learning why mm -hmm. rather than being sad why me I was I just decided you know what this happened I'm not meant to be a professional dancer but I'm so lucky because I have this computer science degree that I can pursue and I'm so lucky that I have good insurance and I uh, a job that really cared for me and made sure that I had the everything I needed to focus on healing. Mm. It's so interesting always, you know, how things kind of fall into place where we go from, you know, a challenge to an opportunity to success and then perhaps, you know, another challenge. And that just seems to be the way life goes. Um, I want to mention, you, yeah, you've had the opportunity to work with, you know, some Grammy award winning artists, um, heads of companies like Google and Apple. Um, I believe you met Richard Branson. Am I correct? I did. Yeah. I did How cool is that? Yeah. What an amazing. Super cool. Yeah. Tell me, you know, in work, those are high profile folks and companies. What lessons did you take away from those opportunities? Um, what, what comes to mind, top of mind? I guess I just always so humble. I'm just amazed. Uh, and I, can, I think what you learn is that there's, they're just people too. And, and there was an equal interest in what we each did. And I, I found that part so exciting. It's, you know, it's, it's, I found that a, a lot of uh, what you would consider like successful people are curious people. And so a lot of their success comes from keeping an open mind. And when they meet people, they really, they allow themselves to learn every day rather mm -hmm. than just, you know, focusing on what they do and, so when you meet a successful person and then they ask you questions about yourself, it's such an amazing feeling because you, you, you realize, oh, wow, they, they actually care. They're not just, you know, like they're really, they're humans and they're, and, and they've never stopped being curious, never stopped learning. And that's such an 
awesome attribute that I hope that I get to have every day and, and never lose my curiosity. Yes. You know, you, you have opportunities to, you're, you're a sought after speaker. Um, I know you've done a TEDx talk and what's the one message when you have an opportunity to be in front of a large audience, what do you hope they walk away with? Is it that, that curiosity piece or is there, if you only had one thing to leave them with? Oh man. Oh, just one. <laughs> Tough question. Oh, well, only no. because in the interest of time, but I, I would I, love to hear oh, all of them. Um, I mean, Illuminate itself has a mission statement. Um, okay. But I, when I tell, when I speak from, from my standpoint, I often tell people, you know, challenge yourself to find two, two things that you love and find ways to mix two completely different things together and see what comes out, you know, because uh, with Illuminate, I never thought to put dance and, and technology together. They were always so separate. But then when I really challenged myself to find ways to merge two things that I loved dearly, that's what came out. And so I, especially when I speak to young audiences, I think oftentimes they get, um, you know, they, they, I, I just want to challenge them to, to, to realize you can love what you do every day. You really can. You can. You can. I, I so wish we had more time. Um, yeah. I th- I'm going to be following you and, and see what's next um, in your career. And, and perhaps we'll bring you back for another interview so we can continue to talk. I would love that. Thank you so much, Sue. This is great. Great. Thank you, Morale Codby, founder of Illuminate. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much to our sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. And thank you to my pal, Frank Canal, for helping me with the show today. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.